Okay, the, tonight is uh, the last lesson in God's or the Temple of Pleasure, and next week we'll start the Temple of Power, and uh, we'll have a, a video to begin next week. Um, but the lesson today is entertainment. And as we begin, I want to ask a few questions, and I want you to kind of store those questions away because we're going to come back to them at the end of class. First one is, what are your favorite forms of entertainment? Your favorite forms of entertainment. What forms of entertainment have most affected your worldview? Okay, so what entertainment has most affected your worldview? Where and when have you exhibited the most passion and excitement? Where and when have you exhibited the most passion and excitement? And then the last one, what kinds of entertainment media have you found to be the most addictive? So what kinds of entertainment media have you found to be the most addictive? So just kind of think about those, uh, and we'll hopefully get some good discussion going at the end of class here. Um. I apologize up front. I'm going to be reading a little more than usual out of the book. Um, he, he has some really good examples that he uh, puts in the book, and I couldn't think of anything better to, to use, so my apologies. Put my eyes on. Okay, so the God of Entertainment... Um, This is the opening of that chapter. It says, see if you can imagine this one. People arrive early for church. On Sunday mornings, they don't just set a backup alarm clock to assure they wake up in time. They set a backup for the backup. They arrange their schedules to make sure they don't miss gathering for worship. Throughout the week, they talk about what happened on the previous Sunday as excitement builds for the upcoming church service. There are all-day talk shows on the radio devoted to reviewing last week's service and breaking down the next one. There's even a TV show called Church Center that runs highlight clips of church activities that have happened across the nation that day. When Sunday comes, the members start loading up their trucks, SUVs, and sedan hours before the service starts. Hurry, says Dad, frantically, we're behind again. It's 6 a.m., says Mom. Church doesn't start for five hours. Last time, we left, last time we left at this time, we had to park three miles from the sanctuary and sit in the nosebleed seats. Someday I really want to sit in the front row, but you have to camp out on the church lawn to have any chance of that. The roads are really congested on the way to church, no matter how early you leave. At church, there are vehicles parked as far as the eye can see, and folks are out tailgating. Some have elaborate spreads prepared, breaking out portable grills and lawn chairs in the church parking lot. Some have television monitors and satellite dishes so they can catch updates from other worship services while they wait for their own. It's nice weather today. Not that it matters, even in the dead of winter. They'll be out here in the same numbers. The masses begin filing into the sanctuary, cheering with great passion and excitement. Once the service starts, the people are all on their feet. Not that they ever sat down. Of course, a bunch of young guys are in the front row. They've probably been here since Friday night. They have no shirts, and each one has a letter on his chest. Together they spell, get your tithe on. (laughs) 
Apparently, the rumor has gotten out that the pastor is indeed going to teach on biblical stewardship and worshiping God with our money. Everyone is pumped for the giving sermon. It's one of the highlights of the year. After several hours, people start looking at their watches. Everyone is thinking the same thing. I hope the sermon goes into overtime. Is that subtle? <laughs> sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? But if you replace church with football, sounds pretty normal. Is there, is there something wrong with that? And it was, it was, a, it was a humorous anecdote, I thought, um, and a way to in, kind of introduce this. I mean, he kind of picks on sports, especially at first, but he gets into other forms of entertainment as well uh, later on. But the next, in the next little paragraph, he kind of makes fun of himself a little bit and then asks some pretty tough questions. This is a few years ago, my youngest daughter wanted nothing more than to go to a Colts football game in Indianapolis. That's the only thing she asked for at Christmas. Her main present that year was a pair of Colts tickets wrapped up in a Peyton Manning jersey. Obviously, this was a long time ago. Since she was only 10 at the time, someone needed to take her, and I was willing to make that sacrifice. The truth is, I'm a huge sports fan, and she came by her NFL devotion honestly. It was a Sunday afternoon game, but we drove down on Saturday evening to make sure we would be at the stadium in plenty of time. We woke up early on Sunday and went to a local church. She begged me to let her wear her Peyton Manning jersey to worship service, but I told her that people wouldn't be wearing Colts gear to church. I've never been more wrong in my life. We sat in the back and gazed upon a sea of blue. There were 37 people wearing Peyton Manning jerseys. She counted. Two people had their faces painted. A few hours later, I was sitting among 80,000 fans in Lucas Oil Stadium, and yes, I had my own face painted. We both cheered until we lost our voices. We made a great memory and had a blast, but on the drive home as my, daughter, as my exhausted daughter slept, I couldn't help but think about the fact that I had really attended two worship services that day. The question I was asking myself was, which one was I most passionate about? It's not hard to make the case that entertainment has become a religion in this country. And when you look at sports, particularly um, the temples or the great stadiums or arenas around the country, uh, people make their weekend pilgrimages to these sites. The priests wear zebra stripes. The gods wear their names on the backs of their jerseys. And the sacrifices are the money that people spend on tickets and team gear. And so why, why is that so easy to get excited about but worshiping the God of the universe takes its toll sometimes? He, he makes the point, he said, the, and we kind of get into, well, 
I'll build up to this, I guess. The sports is kind of the one he picks on uh, the most here. Um, but the the gods that we worship sometimes are in, mine are invisible to me, but I can see yours pretty well, right? And you're you're kind of the same way. Um, but with it's not just sports; it's it's celebrity, it's movies, it's TV. Um, he says says in the book here he says. I can tell you the moment I, that convinced me that we have a problem. A few years ago, one of my friends traveled to India on a mission trip. After he returned, he was excited to show me the pictures and tell me about his journey. It's always interesting to see the everyday lives of people from other cultures. My friend had pictures of what, essentially, what was essentially the family room in an Indian home. The centerpiece, what we think of as the mantle on the hearth, featured a carved idol. He pointed out that every seat in the room was carefully arranged so that it was facing this idol. I shook my head sadly at the sight of a family with a false god at the very center of its world. A few hours later, I walked in the front door of my house, had a seat in my recliner and grabbed the remote, turned on the TV, and kicked back in the chair. Suddenly, it hit me. My eyes scanned the room slowly, and sure enough, every seat in our room was carefully positioned to pay, face the 50-inch flat screen on my mantle. So, the question I want to ask is, what tempts you? Um, sports? We've already picked on that one. Uh, movies? I've known people that have gone and stood in line for hours so they could be the first one in the theater and get the seat they wanted. TV, network, yeah, well, we've got three channels on the network plus all the sub-channels, but there's also Netflix and Hulu, Disney Plus. The average American watches over four and a half hours of television per day. Social media, Facebook and Twitter. I've never done Twitter, so I can't speak to that one as much. But I can tell you, I've wasted plenty of time on Facebook. Video games. I don't know how many times I've tried knocking down whatever structures the angry birds are mad at for that day. It says extreme gamers will be online for over 40 hours a week. And almost one in 10 children from the ages of 8 to 18 show addictions to video games. Music. The one that hit me the hardest was my outdoor activities. My hiking, camping, hunting, fishing, skiing. I don't do jeeping, but I know people that do, and it seems pretty expensive. Pretty all-encompassing. So what... What are your temptations? Or am I speaking to the wrong group? Nobody has any problems here. I'm not saying that entertainment is wrong. In fact, like food and sex, 
it's a gift from God. And he gives us a, a wonderful planet to live on. It could, it could all look like Lubbock, Texas, if God had wanted to. But he, he created a world full of wonders for us to enjoy, to be entertained by. I mean, we should be entertained when we see a rainbow, when we view a mountain range or go to the seashore. Uh, God's given us some good things that we can see and enjoy. So what's the problem with entertainment? Solomon was a great king. Some say the wisest man to ever live. And he pursued entertainment relentlessly, looking for pleasure. And Ecclesiastes is basically his journal of how he's searching for pleasure. And in Ecclesiastes 2.1, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find, to find out what is good. Nothing wrong with the entertainment. So what was the problem? Trying to make the entertainment something that it wasn't. He was looking for the meaning of life and amusement, and what was his conclusion? Meaningless. It all proved to be meaningless. But we've seen this bait-and-switch tactics from the gods in other temples, haven't we? They offer us the sky and give us the mud. Food, when it becomes a god, becomes an insatiable hunger. Sex becomes shame. Entertainment can become restless boredom. It's interesting to me that the word, inter- or excuse me, the word amusement comes from the world of worship. Did you all realize that? Amusement gets its root, comes from the root word muse. And in, the, in Greek, I, I realize the irony of teaching about uh, false gods and bringing up Greek mythology, but that's where we're at. Um, the nine muses were the nine daughters of Zeus, and um, see if I can pronounce this right, Mnemosyne, uh, the goddess of memory. And um, they were, you hear, you hear the word a lot when, especially people in the arts, they talk about their muse inspired them to create this great work or whatever. The, but also, um, the, 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 of the nine muses, um, there was Calliope, who was the goddess of eloquence and heroic poetry and science in general. There was Cleo, the muse of history, memory, and creativity. Euterpe, the goddess of music. Thalia, of comedy and poetry. Melpomene, tragedy. Tersicore, dance and chorus. Erato, uh, lyric and erotic poetry. Polymnia, sacred poetry, meditation, agriculture and geometry. Urania, 
astrology, mathematics, and science. Please don't go check my pronunciation of those names. Um, so so the, the muses, they inspired thought. They, they were thoughtful. Um, they, were, they promoted the sciences, the arts, the poets, the musicians, and the philosophers. And then when, we, when you add the, the A in front of amuse to make it amuse, it, the A means to the lack of. So instead of being thoughtful and uh, inspirational, it becomes lacking thought, lacking inspiration. So the thought is when you go to be amused, you don't want to think, you just want to be amused, right? Uh, the, French, the Old English Dictionary derives it from the French, uh, A from and muser to stare stupidly or distractedly. That one, that one kind of hurt a little bit. But the word muse also, that's where we get museum, the place where the muses are worshipped. Um, to to mu- music comes from that base word muse and musing upon. I mean, when you're thinking about something, you're musing about it. So, so that's where amusement comes from is that idea of the lack of thought or inspiration. We seek amusements because we don't want to think. And that's fine to a point, I suppose, but don't miss this truth. Instead of inspiring our boredom and meaninglessness, the God of entertainment makes us even more that way. Has anybody in here ever experienced after flipping through your hundreds of channels on your TV, there's nothing on? Aren't we saying meaningless? Meaningless, everything is meaningless. Instead of being entertained, we increasingly become the opposite which is bored. And he talks about uh, a person that, that had gone and lived with the Bushmen in Africa and learned their language and came back and, and he couldn't come. They didn't have a word for boredom. He said the closest he could come to was tired. But, that, but the word boredom has, is a fairly new concept in the world. And that's basically around the time that modern entertainment uh, began. Solomon offers an inter- interesting phrase 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it defines the parameters of his search. Anybody want to guess what that is? Where, where, where is he looking? Under the sun. So he's looking under the sun. He's seen many things under the sun. There's no meaning under the sun. He says in the book, no wonder he's tired and frustrated. His sights are set too low. He's searching. What he's searching for is out there, but it's not under the sun. C.S. Lewis says it this way, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hungry. There's such a thing as food. 
A duckling wants to swim. There's such a thing as water. If I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove the universe a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only arouse it to suggest the real thing. Ultimately, gods of pleasure can't satisfy our desires. We come to the realization that, we, that what we need can't be found through the stomach, through sexuality, or through amusement. We want pure, unadulterated joy, and the trail finally leads to God himself. At the end of Solomon's diary, he reaches the conclusion, this is the whole story, here's my conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. So, as we talked about last week some, and Bob talked about it the week before, fasting being something that can kind of focus our minds on God. Do you think there's a time and a place for fasting from entertainment? Have you ever tried it? If you're on Facebook, have you ever been off of Facebook for very long? If you have, I get emails, I'll bet I get three emails a day. So-and-so posted a new picture. So-and-so posted a new comment. I mean, they, they want you to get back on. They're trying to tempt you back on. I, I imagine Twitter's probably the same way. So what can we do in our entertainment-saturated society to draw ourselves back to God? Like I said earlier, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with entertainment. Some entertainment, yes, there is. But as far as just TV or movies, I think they're fine. It's just what we do with them that can be a problem. Um, I mean, sports, I don't, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with sports. I watch sports. I, I do a lot of the things that I've talked about. And that doesn't mean I don't have a problem with some of them. But I think what this class is intended to do more than anything is to kind of open our eyes to like the, the Indian room. I mean, we sit there and we laugh. What a bunch of silly people to have a carved image where all the seats in the room face it and then ignore what we're doing that's exactly the same thing. And that, that's where I want our thoughts to go with this is, is how can we as children of God honor our Father in such a way that he's not one among many gods. He's not even the top among many gods. He is the only God. And as we've talked about before, God is supreme. There's nothing that can replace him except in our hearts. I mean, he's given us that a free will so that we can choose him or not choose him. And I think that's where we want to get to here is how can I be intentional about my choices 
uh, with, with all these things of pleasure, uh, food and sex and entertainment, how can I be responsible with that and pursue those in God's way so that I can then fu- receive fulfillment and honor God in what I'm doing? Does that make sense? Alan, there's a, I was looking here, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. Everything is allowable, but not everything is profitable. I think there's a lot of application to that. You know, we uh, the saying to do uh, um, everything in moderation, which there's a lot of truth in that. The key, I think, the problem is that when, when any of these uh, innocent things, let's say, start to have too much time or too much power or too much influence should not become an addiction. And so the, the key is that I will not be brought under the power of anything. All right. Alan, what did we do some of us can remember what did we do in the 40s for entertainment? The family gathered around the radio. <laughs> so I've heard. I wasn't there. <laughs> but it's a different, it was a different world. We didn't oh. have so much distraction. No question. Yep, Roxanne? Communities gathered together with barn dances and stuff like that. Yeah. Church. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Roxanne. I was going to say, there's a church in Seoul, Korea, that has 50,000, or 20 years ago, it had 50,000 members. And Cass and I wanted to go to it, and we rode a bus. And about two blocks before the church, people were not sprinting, but kind of running to get there. And when you got to the steps, you could not... Um, slowly go up because the mass um, moved you inside and uh, we happened to be there the day that it was an anniversary and they were telling a story and after the Korean War the people were broken they were grieving their country was torn in shreds and Christian missionaries showed up and this saved them from all of the agony of the war and that's how it became so popular and how it's a Christian nation um, today. So I think that might be a little bit, of, we haven't had enough adversity maybe. And then um, another thing where he says, you don't have to think if you're doing this, you don't have to feel either. So if you're sad, just turn on your computer and get lost in the internet. Or if um, you're angry, just go eat something. And we don't have to deal with those feelings, and we don't know what to do with them. I have a lot to say, but anyway, the third thing I was going to say is, Phil Cornwell talked about practicing the presence of God, and I think we forget that we carry God within us, and that he's with us all the time, and he will help us through those feelings, or he will help us through that boredom, or whatever, but we don't rely on him. Right. And I think that's where I'm wanting to get to with this class is that when we turn to the internet because we're sad, 
that's why God is there. I mean, that's one of the roles that he wants to fulfill for us. So that's when it becomes an idol for us. When we're angry and we start eating, God wants to be our solace, not food. And so, so that, that's where we kind of miss the boat sometimes in our Christianity is that we turn to things that aren't God to do for us what God says he wants to do for us. But yeah, practicing the presence of God is, is right along the lines of what, what I think we should be doing. Okay, let's go back to the questions I asked at the beginning. What are your favorite forms of entertainment? Good answer. Good answer. Wednesday night Bible class. <laughs> TV? Yeah, that's... <laughs> we talked about this last night a little bit. Um, we have a, I have a Zoom Bible study that Jack's a part of as well. And we, we talked about some of these not particularly entertainment, but just kind of how the gods war within us. And uh, sometimes I, I wonder, and this I'm just kind of throw this out just maybe to, to spur some conversation or some thought. Um, if... When the Bible talks about that when, when people were sinning intentionally and that God gave them over to their, their lustful desires, and we talked some about yesterday about how that, is that what addiction is? That, that all of a sudden I've chosen this path to the point that now I can't unchoose it. And so... A lot of times that's what I wonder about when about myself sometimes, things that I do that I don't think about doing. It's like, why did I do that? That doesn't feel like it's in my character to do that. Where, where does that come from? Does God do that to us? Allow us to, okay, that's what you want to do. Knock yourself out. Give us over to it. Skip. When I think about being turned over, uh, giving that over, God gives me over. I don't know that this particular thing was exactly that, but it was a very, uh, very prominent moment in my life. My both my girls growing up played basketball, and we were in small country schools and we had to travel all over the place to watch them play basketball. And during their high school years, I guess that was our only entertainment, was just following those girls all over the place. But I remember one time uh, uh, I got pretty involved in the game and I started yelling at the referee and 
I talked about his blindness and, and uh, how blind he was and all of that kind of stuff. And then uh, I, we had halftime and I went to the restroom. And as I was coming out of the restroom, a six-year-old boy and his daddy was walking in the bathroom and, he, and the little boy said, oh daddy, there's that mean man right there. You talk about stopping and thinking about what life was all about. That was one of those moments. And I use that illustration to think that that's exactly what you want us to do in this class, is to just to stop and think sometimes about what, what we're really doing and what the, the harm that it brings. Right. And I think sometimes, I've, I've sat here tonight justifying myself and thinking, okay, I do my Bible reading in the morning, I pray, evening I talk to God, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Uh, I, but at the same time, I'm trying to justify myself that I don't have any of these gods. In reality, it's, it's, look there, there's that mean man right there. Yeah. And I think that's where we are. Is that each one of us have to take our our lives and, and really look at them. See, yeah. see what it is that's causing us to be the people that we are. Yeah. And probably sometimes the harder we try to justify ourselves, the more that points to the God of yeah. me. And that, that's exactly what I've been doing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else do that? Sit here thinking, well, I'm not as bad as Skip. <laughs> I hope not. You're missing the point if you are. That, that occurred last Monday night. <laughs> there was obviously some bad, bad call. <laughs> In a very, very influential game. <laughs> Kind of all depends on which side of the ball you're on, isn't it? Which forms of entertainment most affect your worldview? Social media. I think that's probably a pretty good answer. I'd say TV must because, I mean, you watch the news, you get what... You get the stories they decide that you should get, and you get the slant on those stories that they decide that you should have. I've seen, I've seen enough news stories to know that, um, that I'm personally acquainted with to know that it's just sensationalizing, a, making a story where there was no story. But, I mean, those kind of things affect our worldview. Where and when have you exhibited the most passion and excitement besides Wednesday night Bible class? <laughs> Is it in acts of service that you do for others? Is it when you're being, when you're serving or being served, when you're being entertained? Where does that, where does that passion and excitement come from? That's a, that's a really good answer, Don. Grandkids. 
I mean, I can say, uh, week before last, I was in Mexico helping build a house, two houses actually, and that was that was exciting. And I was, I mean, I had a lot of passion for that. But can I say that's where I've exhibited the most passion or the most excitement? Probably not. But it was something that that I was excited about and excited to do. Maybe I wish it was more that way, that that was where most of my excitement comes from. Then the last question, maybe what is it and why? What kinds of entertainment media have you found to be the most addictive? Sports, 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 especially that Aggie sports, right? <laughs> Social media is very addictive. They, they know how to draw you in and keep you in. Um, I, I bet I haven't been on Facebook in over a month, but I got to looking, it's like, I, I don't get any projects done because I'm busy looking at the lives of other people who aren't doing anything either. <laughs> it's like, what a waste of time. Why do I do that? It's addictive somehow. I guess it's meeting some need I feel like I've got. Anybody else? What? What are you addicted to? I want you to think about some of these things that we've talked about tonight. Uh, where are your gods? What, what is winning the war in your heart? Um, and I was, one of, the first time I, I taught this class every week, it was like, man, every one of these is killing me. And this, was, this one was no exception. I mean, I can look at some of these forms of entertainment and say, eh, not interested. But others of them draw me in quickly and capture me. And so I've got to be vigilant on those things. Um, so like I said before, this lesson wraps up the, the temple of pleasure. And so next week, uh, we'll start the temple of power and... Uh, talking about success and I don't I have to wonder sometimes if maybe this next series of lessons is going to hit us in here harder than the first ones did because most of us are old enough that the pleasure is kind of an ancient memory huh (laughs) but uh, it's the God of success the God of money and the God of Achievement will be the next three lessons. Uh, two of those three will have uh, videos with them. Uh, one is uh, uh, Chuck um, Bentley, who was a venture capital capitalist that was very successful until he realized that money was his God. And the other video will be Chuck Colson, which some of you may have heard of him, uh, and kind of how his achievements were his God. Uh, some very powerful uh, videos. So, but just to give you a heads up of what's coming up, but I thank you all for being here. I thank you for your participation, and hopefully we can, through this, this study, we can get to know ourselves a little better and what drives us uh, to do the things we do. Jeff? You mentioned this before, Alan, but uh, if you're an Amazon Prime member, 
This book is free. Nope, I didn't know that. So I didn't mention it. <laughs> you can go from Amazon and, uh, and go to God's Award and, and, and go into Ken, it's Kendall Digital Book. It's free. Okay. And if you go into there, and my memory is free. Okay, very good. Um, it's a, I, I recommend the book. I think it, it can help you um, see yourself maybe a little better. Uh, and the videos are all on YouTube, so you can look those up as, if you would like as well. So uh, thank you all for being here, and hope you have a good rest of your week. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.